Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers and orcs to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is the Valley of Green Gold, episode 25. Well, a lot has happened in recent episodes of the Valley of Green Gold. In episode 19, the party defeated a group of skeletons south of Merchant Harbor, and they found an amulet on one of them. An amulet that they learned is the symbol of a secretive group of sages known as the Alliance of the Righteous Light. In episode 20, Bunny secured his very own pro wrestling gym in the basement of the Gilded Cane, and there was another more powerful earthquake just a day after the previous one, which damaged the big tree in the town square. Clubhead's fungal babies have survived in the underground home of their new friend Muty as well. In episode 21, the party meets Nipple Clamp Jackson, a peculiar flump, like a floating jellyfish, uh, who works with Don Goose at the Greasy Lizard. Then the party recruited the drunken Dread Pirate Jed after putting on a match against him in the street. In episode 22, Madame Schmoopy caught Wendell rummaging around in the basement of the repository, so now if he ever expects to find out what that ticking sound is, he's got to give her some chocolate. Zark Coppertop, the goblin who owns the Gilded Cane, has chocolate, but he's only going to part with it if the party beats the heck out of Don Goose, a rival tavern owner. And in episode 23, Wendell, Clubhead, and Bunny succeeded in locating and saving the life of Argus Hawksong, a local bard who had gone missing. He is deeply in love with a mysterious, beautiful woman who lives in the forest north of town. But all that time, Silbeth, the sorceress, whose wild magic is tied to her emotions, has been away from the rest of the party. Just after the group killed those skeletons and saved those farmers, Silbeth, as you are walking into town, your de facto father-in-law, Roger Oakcrest, came running up to you requesting your help with something. So let's go back to that moment as he finds you. Silbeth. Yes, Roger? Uh, look, I need your help with something. My friends and I have a lot on our hands right now. Uh, it'll only take a moment. Listen, Roger, I have to be honest with you. The, the last time you asked me to help you, I almost died. Is this going to be a similar thing? Well, I hope not, but look, Buttercup was real sad this morning. She was thinking about Turley, and all she wanted to do was make buckwheat and brambleberry pancakes. You know that that is Turley's favorite dish. She told you that once. But then the brambleberries are in the backyard. They're down by the water's edge. And ever since you stirred up those dang crabs down there and got them all riled up, they've been wandering up into our yard. You survived the crabs, but Buttercup and I, we would get all murdered if we went down there to get the... So can you please come back and get a little bucket of brambleberries from the bushes? I suppose now that I know what to look for, it uh, wouldn't be so dangerous. Um... Listen, everybody, I, I'm going to uh, go see what Roger needs help with. I'll, I'll meet you back here. You know, if I'm, if I'm not back in a day, come find me, I guess. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Wendell, Clubhead, and Buddy continue on into town. They seem to have some chores that they want to take care of anyway, so you are left to go with Roger Oakcrest. All right, they probably realize I'm only half joking when I say that. Yeah, you're not really sure if they understood it completely, but then again, you did almost die last time. Uh, Mr. Oakcrest, can you tell me anything more about these earthquakes? You know, Buttercup and I have only lived here about a year. There's been about a dozen earthquakes in that time. 
You know, usually after the first quake, Scout Schellenberg throws a little party in the town square, and they send a bunch of fresh recruited adventurers down into the mines. Yeah, sometimes they don't even come back. But then the earthquakes stop, and Mayor Schellenberg proclaims that the monsters have been killed, and then the whole thing starts over again later. They make such a big deal out of it, it doesn't make any sense. So, in other words, sending down adventurers doesn't permanently solve anything. No, but it fixes the problem for now. Okay. Well, I, I, I just find it very odd. Like, we had uh, a couple earthquakes while I was growing up in the jungle, but not nothing like this. Well, you get there to the little shack, and you can hear the, that uh, Buttercup is inside working in the kitchen. Roger gives you a small wooden bucket and points you to the backyard. Just go down by the rocky shoreline. The bramble bushes are there. They're loaded with fruit this time of year. And you said those crabs are all over the place? Well, they could be. I don't know. I saw one of them, and I just didn't want to go down there and take any chances. Uh, what what other kind of pests or beasts might be down there? Well, you could see, like, some kind of uh, aquatic uh, creatures, or, like, uh, those bees sometimes come around the brambleberry bushes looking to pollinate and whatnot. Oh, great. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to do my best, but I'm not going to risk myself as much as I did last time for you. Oh, no, no, I'm not telling you to risk your life. I'm just saying if you can fill this bucket with brambleberries, that would be great. Okay. I'll watch you out the back window, and if you get really in trouble, I'll come out and get you. Thank you, Roger. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down for like 15, 20 minutes and just scan the hell out of the backyard or wherever I'm going. You're going to take 20 minutes, so you get a natural 20 on this perception check. Yeah. You don't see any bees, you don't see any crabs, nor aquatic creatures. All you see is the rocky shoreline and the sea, and the brambleberry bushes are right there on the edge where the rock turns to scrub. Okay, so before I go near the bushes, I'm going to cast Expeditious Retreat on myself. Ooh, okay. Uh, And Expeditious Retreat basically allows me to move away very quickly from something if I'm in trouble. Yeah, and it lasts for 10 minutes, which, you know, you you figure you should be able to get enough brambleberries in less than 10 minutes. Yes. All right, so I will go down there. You go down to these bushes, and they're about 10 feet wide and 10 feet high, and they are loaded with these dark, dark, juicy berries. And you start picking them off of the branches of the brambleberries, careful not to get pricked by the prickers. And a, a moment or two passes, and before you know it, you got a full bucket. Give me a perception check. 20. You sense that the birds go quiet, like the birds in the trees surrounding you go quiet. The wind even like dies down. It's very strange. It's eerie for just a brief second. And then the ground starts to shake under your feet, violently so. Bigger than the first earthquake by far. You have expeditious retreat cast on you though. So as the ground under your feet starts to crumble and give way, you can escape. Yes, I will try to run out of whatever collapse is happening. All right, you're gonna run down toward the shore. You're gonna run up toward the house. Towards the house. As you're running toward the house, as you take off, you're not looking behind you. Right. 
And as you get closer to the house, the ground behind you and underneath your feet, it's sort of turning into kind of a quicksand of rock and sand and dirt as it's collapsing into a sinkhole. Okay. Need you to make a dexterity saving throw. 14. You do not make the initial saving throw for that. So you are going to take some damage as you fall into the hole uh, that has appeared underneath your feet. Okay. Uh, The good news is it is only four damage, bludgeoning damage, as you land and you are prone in the bottom of this sinkhole, surrounded on all sides by rock and dirt. Oh, oh. I find that I have a nasty twist in my ankle. Everything about this situation, though, is still fluid and moving as the ground is shaking underneath you. That definitely creates uh, some jarring emotions in me. I think I might even take two levels at this point. That sounds right. This is kind of terrifying. So go ahead and roll that. You have to get above a two or surge. Four. Barely keeping the surge in check. You are able to stabilize your emotions enough to take stock of the situation, and that is when you hear a tremendous rush of water. Give me a nature check. 14. You realized this chasm, this sinkhole that has opened up, has actually opened up into the sea. And so, thousands of gallons of seawater are rushing into the sinkhole, okay. sweeping you up into this whirling. All right. Typhoon, uh, this whirling tide pool of rushing water and rock. Give me a dexterity saving throw. 13. Okay, you're able to cling to the walls uh, of this crevasse as the water is filling it higher and higher and higher. And then all of a sudden, you feel this pulling from underneath you. It's not like something grabs you by the ankles and pulls you down. It's like the water is being flushed, like you're in a giant toilet that is now being flushed into a hole somewhere underneath your feet. It's just sucking me in. Yes, and there is no strength saving throw. There is nothing to keep you from getting sucked down into this hole. And as your head goes underwater... I'll take the biggest breath I can. You take a big, deep breath. You're sucked into this hole. Darkness and water and dirt and rock pummeling you as you get swept into a hole. The next thing that you can really determine is that you are being swept down a smooth stone tunnel, like a water slide, except it's not fun. No. And that water is pushing from behind and forcing you through these narrow rock passages. Thankfully, they're not like jagged stone. They're smooth, so you can determine with that nature check that, you know, water has made this passage a long time ago, maybe over eons. And now you find yourself in this tunnel as the water's sweeping in, it's pushing you down and then up and down and up. You're not sure which which end is up. You don't know if you're traveling descending or ascending underground. You have no All right. No knowledge of where you are and no control over where you are being swept. But I will give you another dexterity saving throw. I will use the tides of chaos. Great. So that puts you up to three levels of emotional charge. Tides of Chaos gives you advantage on this deck save. Yes. Well, still only a 13. 
unfortunately not enough. There's nothing to really brace yourself against as you are pummeled against the rocks to and fro. As you go down this corridor, you hit your head. You take 13 points of damage. You are unconscious. Yes, I am. So being unconscious, you don't know where you end up or how you end up. You don't know if you're underwater. You don't know if you're, you know, outside of it. I need a death saving throw. All right. Let's see what happens. 11. That is a success. Give me another one. Natural 20. You cough. (coughs) Oh, what's going on? Where am I? You look around and you can tell that you are in a big pool of water. Maybe a foot, two feet deep in a stone chamber, a natural cavern in a cave. Is there water? Yes. There is water pouring from a hole in the ceiling about 20, 30 feet up. That hole is where you fell out of and then landed in this pool. Thankfully, there was enough water there that it didn't give you more damage. But you're pretty banged up. You're very bruised. Your head is ringing. Your vision is blurry. And water is continuing to fill this chamber. All right. Um, I'm just going to cut my hand and take a tiny taste of the falling water to see if it's seawater. It is seawater. Okay. Do I see any, like, water marks on the edge of this cavern of, like, times it may have gotten really deep? Perception check. 23. Here are the things that you notice. Uh, You don't notice any water marks on the wall above where the water currently is. Okay. And that could be that this chamber was just full of water at one point. Yeah. Or it could mean that you just can't see them. Uh, The other thing that you see is a dull yellow glow coming from underneath a rocky ledge, maybe about six inches above the water, where the water is now. Another thing that you see is a passage that leads upward, ascending out of this chamber. It's very narrow, very small. You would have to crawl through it, but it would get you out of this room. How close am I to that yellow glow? A few feet. And how close am I to this passage? It's uh, probably another 10 feet beyond the glowing. Well, I'm going to try to swim over to the glow first and see if I can take a closer look at it. Okay. You make your way over and you look underneath this rock ledge and you see a very small clump of mushrooms that are bioluminescent, glowing yellow. I will take them. All right. Are you going to pull them out? How are you going to take them? Yeah, I will pull them out. Okay. And what do you do with them? For now, I'm just going to wrap them up in a, in a cloth. Did you have your pack and all of your supplies and everything with you? I do, yeah. Okay, so you grab a bit of cloth out of your pack. You wrap up these mushrooms delicately in the cloth, and then you head toward this exit? Yes. You make your way down this corridor. It's very narrow. You have to crawl to make your way through it. It's 30 or 40 feet before you get to another chamber that opens up a little bit bigger. Uh It gets wider as you progress down this corridor. And I feel like it's above the last corridor in height, yeah? Yes, when you crawled in this corridor, it ascended. Uh, but you can hear that chamber behind you still filling with seawater. Okay, and what do I see in this chamber? You get to uh, the end of this corridor. It seems like a bit of a dead end, but I want you to make an investigation check. 23. 
there is a pile of rock and stone at the end of this corridor that looks like it came falling down from above. It's like a climbable hill of loose stone and rock. Okay. But as you're looking at it, you're seeing marks on this stone that are definitely from a like a pickaxe or a tool of some kind. Okay. You said it appears to have been like a ceiling collapse or something? No, it looks like somebody just dumped this rock here, like a mining operation, and they just dumped all the slag rock into a huge pile. Okay. And it sort of filled the bottom of the chamber. And what do I see when I look above it? Darkness. It's possible there's another chamber there. Darkness. All right. Well, I'm going to test it out first to see if it seems stable enough to climb. It is difficult terrain. It would be a little tricky to climb, but you also understand that the worst thing that would happen is you would just slide back down to the bottom of it. Hmm. Okay. I will try climbing it then. Give me an athletics check. 15. It takes you a while, but you do make it up to the top of this mound of debris, and that's where you find a ledge that leads into a small chamber uh, on the ground right in front of you. Leaning up against the wall as if it was taking a rest is a partially mummified corpse. Bits of leather armor still clinging to its bones in some places. Its head and torso and one of its arms is mostly still mummified. There's a long beard and two long black braids still hang from its head. Okay, how much room to maneuver is there on top of this mound? Once you get up to the top of the mound, it's really a choice of, do you go back down or do you climb up onto the ledge? There's not much room there. Is this corpse level with me or is it up on the ledge? It's up on the ledge. Okay. Can I reach the corpse with my quarterstaff from where I am? You cannot. You would have to climb up onto the ledge. You would have to enter the space. I'm gonna shoot a crossbow bolt into that corpse. Natural one. (laughs) (laughs) Clinging to this ledge and getting your crossbow out and then balancing delicately and shooting a crossbow bolt at this corpse from like 10 feet away is a lot harder than it seems. And your crossbow bolt hits the wall and shatters. Okay. But nothing happens other than that. Did it hit close to the corpse? Yeah. As you see where the crossbow bolt hit, you see that there must have been another cave-in next to the skeleton because like one of its legs is underneath a little bit of debris. Okay. More recently, after this person or whatever had died, there has been a cave-in since. All right. Even if it is going to surprise me and spring back to life, it's kind of pinned. A little bit. Tiny little bit. I am assuming I probably wasn't able to concentrate on Expeditious Retreat through all this, so that's gone. So I'm going to cast Mage Armor on myself. Okay. And then I'm going to ready Mind Sliver. Excellent. I will ready Mind Sliver, and then I will climb up on the ledge. So when you say ready it, what do you mean? I want to ready it so that if the skeleton moves, I cast it. Okay. This is a little tricky since there's no turn orders because we're not technically in combat yet, but here's how it's going to work. You cast Mage Armor on yourself. It takes one action. It lasts eight hours. It does not require concentration. You're good there. Then you cast Mind Sliver, and instead of launching the spell at the corpse, you hold the magical 
energy. You hold your action. Yeah, sure. Until the start of your next turn, if the skeleton moves, you use your reaction to cast Mind Sliver. That's how it's going to work. Right. So as you get up onto this ledge, in your mind, prepared for the inevitable possibility that the skeleton attacks you. Yeah. You've got Mind Sliver on deck. Give me another perception check. 21. As you look around this small chamber, uh, you do notice that there have been some minor cave-ins recently. Maybe within the last few days, maybe within the last few years. You see pickaxe marks on the stones on the far end of the room. Okay. Whoever this person was, they were trying to dig themselves out of this chamber because there was a cave-in on the far end of this chamber long ago. And you see next to the skeleton, kind of obscured behind some rubble, an old pickaxe worn nearly down to nothing. You also see the corner of a leather satchel underneath that rock pile. Okay, well, I'm going to go check that satchel out. Actually, I am going to take my quarterstaff and smash the skull of this skeleton. Okay, that is a, I will say that is definitely going to be a hit since there's no reason you wouldn't, and you are able to smash the skull of this skeleton. Okay, that doesn't move? Nope. Okay, well then I will just dig that satchel out. All right, you dig the satchel out and you find in that satchel three things. You find, first of all, a journal. It is moldy, it is crumbly, it has been there a long time maybe years, maybe decades. You also find two things from the table of potentially decent random stuff. So I need you to roll two D100s. That was my secret hope. Yes. I got a 36 and a 47. So for 36, you find all bundled up a purple velvet robe that is bejeweled with sequins and sparkling gems. It's sized to fit a humanoid. And the name Tonko, T-O-N-K-O, is emblazoned across the back of this robe. T-O-N-K-O? T-O-N-K-O, Tonko. What was the other number? 47. 47, you find a simple ring made of silver with a large diamond set in it. Ooh. And now I will be rolling to see if either of these items are cursed. Uh Uh-huh. And maybe not telling me? You're not going to know until you know if it is, which it may not be. There's a one in 20 chance that the item is cursed. Okay, so you got this robe and you've got this diamond ring and you have a journal. And as you page through the journal, there are only a few entries. There are some drawings, sketches of various things, Mm -hmm. but it's tough to make out what any of them are. It looks like just, you know, somebody who liked to sketch creatures and buildings and things. But the things that you can read in the journal are right near the end of this book. The first entry that you can read says, I should have told someone I was headed down to the Devil's Millhopper, but it only opens every few years and then only for a matter of days. That means I got to dig myself out of this. I've taken stock and only have a few days of rations, but there's fresh water here and I got me pickaxe. I'll start with... Then, a little bit later in the journal... Digging at the collapse for days. No matter how much I clear, it keeps filling in. I've never worked harder in me life, but I can relax when I'm done. Ate the last of me rations this morning. The next entry. Haven't eaten in days. Still working to clear the cave-in, but I'm fading. Tis a cruel slight from the gods that this chamber contains mushrooms, but eating them would prove fatal. 
Mm. What I wouldn't give for a roast chicken and one of Skull's homemade beers right now. Oh, Skull, me old friend. If he were here, he'd have this cave-in cleared. The last entry reads, My digging has come to an end. I've moved mountains of stone, but I grow too weary to continue. It matters not. The mill hopper has most certainly closed by now. Ravensmead was right. This island is cursed. For those who may find me remains, my name is Barnaby Miller. I am brother of Maddox. Please inform him of me passing, but do not deliver my remains to him. That's it. Interesting. Do I recognize any of these names? Uh, you recognize the name Barnaby as the name that Skull, the beer barian, yes. was yelling at you, calling you all Barnaby. Right. And of course you recognize Skull. Uh-huh. But you don't recognize the Devil's Mill Hopper as a location that's new. And Maddox. You don't know anybody named Maddox. What did he say about Skull again? He said what he wouldn't give for one of Skull's homemade beers. Ah, uh, yes. And if Skull was here, he would have this cave-in cleared right, right away. Um, and he said, tell his brother, but don't bring him his body. Exactly. That is interesting. <laughs> okay. Now, you find yourself in this little chamber. Uh, you hear the water over the course of the, like, the next hour or so as you're taking stock of the situation. You've got this pickaxe, but it's really worn down to almost nothing. But you can see where this person, Barnaby, was digging mm-hmm. uh, to try to get out of this chamber that he found himself in. Yeah, I mean, even though he said it kept collapsing, I guess I'll give it a shot. Yeah. All right. Over the course of a day... You are digging with this pickaxe, and you're making progress, and it is not caving in anymore. I would like to take a short rest in there somewhere so I can get some hit points back. Absolutely. In fact, you could take a long rest if you wanted to in there. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah, I will. And that's what Silbeth does for the next day and a half. Digs with this old pickaxe, removes as much debris as she can from the old cave-in, and then rests and maybe has some rations, then gets up and starts digging again. Okay. While Silbeth has been digging for a day and a half, the rest of the party has just found that bard, Argus Hawksong. He was lost in the woods to the north of town. He is pretty much under my control by a freaky spirit, I'd say. It seems that way. Yeah, it's leaning, it's giving, as the kids say, freaky spirit. But maybe that freaky spirit is also a, like a muse for him because he seems to have written some pretty good songs True. under that mind control, if that's what that is. It's like Keith Richard and uh, heroin, right? Like some people's <laughs> are kind of toxic. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're gonna, he's going to learn to ski. That's right. He's going to go and learn to ski now. <laughs> um, so you guys head back to Merchant Harbor. It's a bit of a long walk. It's getting to be about, you know, dinner time. And uh, it's been a while since you've seen Silbeth over a day, like a day and six hours, something like that. And as you get back into Merchant Harbor, everybody give me a perception check. 18. Only an 11. I got a whole seven, man. Well, Wendell, you are the one who sees at the far end of town a bit of a commotion. There is a group of people gathered up in a big bunch and they seem to be shouting and you can see that they're frantic about something. Hmm. 
Hey guys, there's a bunch of people. There, there's a bunch of trouble down at the end of the road here. We should probably check it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it, man. You rush to the south end of town and you see that there are some people there that you recognize. Those construction guys from the Mibay Beachside Estates build site and they are holding a motionless body. And Wendell, you notice that it is not Silbeth, it is Roger Oakcrest. Oh no. That man uh, surrounded by all the dogs has passed. What? Uh, are you sure? Maybe we can help him. You talking about Silbeth's girls? Dad? Um, I bet he was killed by all the dogs. They probably revolted. Where's Silbeth? I don't know. Silbeth took off. Uh, if he's here, she should be here with him. She might be dead too. He's motionless, but you don't know if he's dead or not. The One of the workers is shouting, we need a healer. Oh, well, yeah, he's not dead. See, I told you he's not dead. I'll help. Okay. I'll, I'll run up to the motionless person and I will, I will go ahead and, I don't know, make a medicine check. See if I can see how he's doing. Sure. All right. I rolled an 18. He's unconscious, but stable. Oh. He's all right. He's not going to die. Thank God. Uh, I run up and I say to one of the construction guys, what happened? Uh, We just got back to the end of the Mebay Beachside Estates. We took a day off to go fishing. And so when we left, everything was fine. And we were out fishing and there was an earthquake. And uh, the next morning we came back to the, the, the build site and we saw that Roger and Buttercup's uh, shack was collapsed and there was a big sinkhole uh, running right down to the sea. Did you happen to see either Buttercup or our friend Silbeth? Yeah, we rescued Buttercup. She was trapped inside the house. It had fallen right into the sinkhole. Buttercup was unharmed, believe it or not. Your friend Silbeth, I don't know. Could she be in the sinkhole? She's she's gotta be. We better get down there and try to rescue Silbeth from the sinkhole. You take off in a dead sprint running south to Mibay Beachside Estates, being careful to not exhaust yourself in the process. When you arrive, you see a tremendous hole in the ground, and as you approach it, you can see the roof of Roger and Buttercup's house. What's even more horrifying, as you look down in their backyard, down toward the shoreline, you can see where the rocks have split open, a chasm, who knows how deep, 20 or 30 feet perhaps, and 20 feet wide, and the seawater is starting to trickle in as the waves crash against the shore. And that is episode 25 of The Valley of Green Gold. If you like The Valley of Green Gold, tell people about us. You could do that however you want to, but a great review on Apple Podcast does wonders for helping people find us. Join us July 25th for the first part of a two-part live stream adventure. Our buddy Nick from Five Entertainment is a great DM, and he's going to be running us, all five of us, through an adventure that he created. Aaron, Brad, Dion, and myself will be playing the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade once again, and Emery is rolling up a character to join us. You can get the link at ratedrpgpodcast.com. That is July 25th and August 29th. I also want to thank you because time has been in short supply over the last couple of weeks and we really appreciate your understanding as these episode drops have been delayed. So thank you for being cool about it. Thank you to Duke's Turtle and Crow for the rolls on the table of potentially decent random stuff in this episode. If you want to see that D100 list, it is on our blog, on our website, and once something has been rolled, we replace it with something new. Lord Deputy Fail has been sent a strongly worded letter from 
from a concerned Merchant Harbor citizen about something. We'll find out more about it in an upcoming episode. Thank you very much, Chris, for your support. Thank you to our honorary gorgeous Phoenix Brigade members, Anna, Scott McGrath, and Mongoose. Cheers to you. Special thanks to Bossa Nova Bill, Grey Wolf 99, and Unknown. All of our Patreon supporters gain access to our Discord server in addition to being thanked in episodes. It's a fun community. There's cool art, great people. We chat about all kinds of stuff, mostly about Rated RPG. You can support Rated RPG through Patreon at RatedRPGPodcast.com. And finally, some somber news. I don't know if you heard this, but Great White Spark was abducted by a cult and, well, they basically turned him into outerwear. But what you might not have heard is that Duke Jason had gone deep undercover and tried to infiltrate the cult dressed like a chicken. And it, it ended badly for him, too. So we found scraps of both of them and put them in the bucket of friends. Rest in peace, and we'll get you resurrected soon enough. On behalf of everyone around Ye Old Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying the Rated RPG Podcast. <laughs>